Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. Giving shows God's work in us. It's proof of the ministry. And people glorify God for your obedience because of the confession. When you and I made a confession to the gospel of Jesus, when we said, I turn away from my sinful past and I commit my life to Jesus, when we did that, it came with a lot of work that God was going to do through us. And one of them is he was going to make you a giver. And if you're not yet a giver, God's going to make you one. He dwells in you. He's going to lead you and guide you. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You Welcome again to Abounding Grace. It's good to be with you as we have the great privilege of opening the Word with you, seeking to learn of God's abounding grace. Check out our new website when you get a chance at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Today, Pastor Ed Taylor finishes up 2 Corinthians 9. If you've been with us lately, you know the focus has been on our giving to God. We're about to see the benefits for doing so, and there are four of them that Pastor Ed has noticed in our passage. Before we get there, let's first pay a visit to Acts chapter 2. The Bible says, the New Testament says, the Holy Spirit speaking through the New Testament says, give and God will take care of you. You know why? Because the Holy Spirit said in the Old Testament that God will take care of you. And I recall, you can just jot it down in Acts chapter 2, when the Holy Spirit fell upon the early church, remember, and everyone started speaking in tongues. And people were questioning, and they were wondering what was going on. Do you remember what Peter said? Well, let me show you what Peter said. Turn over to Acts chapter 2. This is another way of saying the Bible said. This is what Peter said in Acts chapter 2. Pick up in verse 14. And from verse 14 on, all the way through verse 21, he's going to quote the Old Testament to establish what's happening in the New. He's going to quote the prophet Joel. And he says, look, what you're seeing right now, it's nothing new. But notice in verse 14, Peter, standing up with the eleven, raised his voice, said to them, men of Judea and all who dwell in Jerusalem, let this be known to you and heed my words. For these are not drunk, as you suppose, since it's only the third hour of the day. And look at what he says. But this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. How would we say that today? This is what the Bible says. This is what was spoken. You guys are mockers. You guys are amazed. You guys are perplexed. You see back in verse 12 and 13. You got, all these, you got all these ideas. You're accusing these believers of being drunk because you're seeing something you don't understand. And that's something that, that happens a lot. If you're not careful, you don't understand something. You're trying to label it. That's what they were doing. Trying to label, oh, they're drunk. Peter says, they're not drunk. You know what's happening? This is what the Bible says. This is exactly what's happening. God said through the prophet Joel that in the last days, God will pour out his Holy Spirit. Guess what? This is what it looks like. This is what God is doing. And you want to be able to establish the doctrine of the church and even the doctrine of your own life by saying, this is what the Bible says. Not by this is what my church says or my favorite pastor. Or whatever. This is what the Bible says. You want to be able to know the word of God in such a way where you can apply it in your life. That's what Peter did. Peter was not a seminary, Bible college educated man. You know what he was? Anybody remember what Peter's profession was? He was a professional fisherman. 
and he was a very good one, but he didn't go to seminary. He didn't go to Bible college. He didn't take online courses to finish his degree. He did something that was just as effective or even more so. He hung out with Jesus for three years. And that three years of learning and listening and watching and failures and falling and getting up made him a Bible scholar. It made him understand the scriptures, not only what it said, but the interpretation by the Holy Spirit of what they meant. I know some of you are a little discouraged because in your lot in life, if you had the chance now that you got saved, you'd love to go to Bible college, but you just can't. You can't move over there or you can't. Right now in your station in life, you just can't and you're just discouraged because, man, you know, if I got saved younger or the condition of my life or whatever it might be, I know for me, um, you know, I'd already back, my, Marie and I started our life backwards. We had a child in high school and, and I had to get a job right away and I just couldn't go to school. I know for a while I was really discouraged, but God revealed to me I can go to school if I just open the Bible and read it. Make a few phone calls to the school like I did and say, what books are you guys using? And buy their books and read them. Now, for us, we are diligently working and hopefully, I don't know, maybe a year, 18 months, we're going to provide a Bible college here. And we are very, very adamant about providing some more. I just sense the days are short and we've got to really aggressively move faster in this world. And we've been waiting a long time for a Bible college, and I think God has finally brought it about where we're ready to do something, even though uh, we were talking today a little bit that we've got building limitations, because you know what? We've got an elementary school that takes up every square inch of this building. We're going to have to put something on the roof for those kids so they can play upstairs or, you know, build. I don't know what we're going to do, but the Lord knows. We don't have to worry about that. We just need to be obedient, stepping out and figuring out what the Lord has for us and, and uh you know, that's another thing to pray about, but we'll get to that at a later date. And so don't be discouraged because if you just hang out with Jesus, you'll become a very smart person in the word. You won't be taught in men's doctrines or you won't become followers of men. When you just open the word and you're just seeking the Lord and you're, you're here, you know, even here, just taking notes of the word, being like a Berean, take what's being said here, test it by the word of God. Do you want to grow? God wants you to grow and he'll use whatever cooperate. He will go as far as you go. He's not going to drag you and make you learn. And, you know, like, he, he, you can't just go, you know, I just want to grow. And, well, are you reading the Bible? Not really then you really don't want to grow. Now, you probably do want to grow, but you don't want to grow bad enough to really jump in and sacrifice and get to know the Word. That's the number one book. you got to know the Word of God. And somebody comes and says, hey, why do you do that? He says, you know what? This is what the Bible says. As it is written. This is what Joel said. And, the, you know, somebody's going, what Joel? Like a guy over there in, in accounting? No, man. Joel in the Word. There's a Joel in the Bible. That's why that guy's named Joel. His mom and dad probably knew the Bible and named him Joel. I didn't know that. Man, I did because I read the Bible. And you don't have to be discouraged. Maybe one day God will give you the ability to take classes. And maybe, God, you're at a stage right now where you're going to launch out and maybe go full-time in a Bible college. But if you can't, don't underestimate the time that you spend with Jesus. And definitely don't underestimate the simple verse-by-verse teaching of the Bible. Just simple. It can get, I know, I know some, it just gets laborious. Laborious. It just, what are we, last time I looked, Ed, we've been in 2 Corinthians for a long time. Isn't there anything else in the Bible? There is. There's a lot in the Bible. But taking the Bible verse by verse gives you and I the ability to study things 
in light of the way that God laid them out in the scriptures. And something I've learned later that I didn't know so much early on as a pastor, and that's why when we come to Bible studies like this, there is a lot of review because we could study verse by verse sometimes and forget the big picture. And it's my responsibility to keep reminding you of the big picture so you know where this fits and why we're here. Because some of you, this is your first time here, and you're like, why is, he, why is this verse? And it's, what's this? And, and what you need to do is you need to go backwards. All of our studies are online, and you need to catch up with us. And it's an amazing thing to start in the beginning and work our way through. It's an amazing thing that says God has a heart to give. He, want, he has a heart to give to us, and that heart he's put in us. And Peter is just so encouraging. He goes, man, you guys... And this, this is an amazing thing in and of itself. It's a different Bible study altogether. But Peter standing up and preaching like this is just the grace of God using him. It's just like, man, God loves to restore and uplift. He loves to do things that, man, would just blow our minds and do a work in the spirit. And I, I have to say, you may or may not realize this, depending on where you've come from or how much you're exposed to you know, things on television and stuff. But there's a lot of things in the church today at large that have no biblical basis. You know, things like barking in the spirit or being slain in the spirit. The only time I see someone slain in the spirit, they don't get up. (laughs) Read it for yourself. Gold dust. You know, it used to be gold fillings, but now it's gold dust in the sanctuary and You know, you're just like, where'd that come from? Somebody put it there. I don't see that in the scriptures. I don't see God teaching us to go after the miraculous. I see God teaching us to abide in his son. And if God desires to do the miraculous, it's going to be abiding in his son. And it's going to be awesome. And it's going to be wonderful. And he's going to get all the glory. But think about it. You chase after the miraculous. And God in his sovereign will says, I'm not going to do a miracle work in your life. Then what happens to your faith? You put your faith in the miraculous, which God may or may not do. And if he chooses not to do it, then your faith is in something that's empty. But you place your faith in the sure and steady, sovereign God, no matter what he does in your life, you steady on. There's so much in the church today that it's, you just want to be able to say, here, there, anywhere. Hey, why do you do that? Why is that? Because this is what the Bible says. Back in 2 Corinthians 9, let's close up in this last, what commentators would call a doxology where Paul is just ending on a high note, verse 10. Now he, may he who supplies seed to the sower and bread for food supply and multiply the seed that you have sown and increase the fruits of your righteousness while you're enriched in everything for all liberality which causes thanksgiving through us to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the needs of the saints but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God. Wow, verse 13. Through the proof of this ministry, they glorify God for the obedience of your confession to the gospel and for your liberal sharing with them and all men. And by their prayer for you, who long for you because of the exceeding grace of God in you, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. There's at least four benefits of giving. Now we looked earlier the blessed graces of giving, but here's some benefits. Number one, when you give, the needs of the saints are met. Did you see that in verse 12? You and I meet the needs of the saints. When we give, we're tools in God's hand to meet the needs of people. 
especially the saints. That's what the Bible tells us to do. We go, wait a minute, Ed, there's a lot of needs around the world. There's a lot of things, yes. And God has called us to be generous, lavish givers to meet the needs of the world. But did you know the Bible says that the saints should be taken care of first? Did you know that? Well, here it is, Galatians chapter 6, verse 9. It says, and let us not grow weary in well-doing, for in due season we shall reap if we don't lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all. Amen. Let's do good to all, especially to those who are of the household of faith. It's a principle. The family of God, the principle is this, families take care of families, the family of God takes care of the family of God, and when there's order and structure, then we're able to take care of the needs of many, many more people around. It's beautiful. The second thing that happens when we give is this abounding thanksgiving. Did you see that? It says, not only in verse 10, that God's going to supply all the seed, that you're enriched in everything, verse 11, but the administration of the saints supplies the needs of the saints. But notice at the end of verse 12, but also is abounding through many thanksgivings to God because there's proof of the ministry. It's proof because you didn't just say it, you did it. And people thank God. I don't know if you've ever received a gift just out of the blue or just the Lord put on someone's heart. Aren't you just so thankful? It's just like, man, this is amazing. Somebody, God put somebody on, put me on someone's heart, or, or man, it's, or you're in a, you're in a tremendous need. You've got so much going on. You're, you're struggling, and there's food on your front door. You bring it into the table. You gather the family together. Look what God has done. Now, of course, you probably run out to the sidewalk and look both ways to see if you can catch who did it. But they've taken off a long time ago. Because they wanted that gift to be unto the Lord. They wanted you to give God the glory. You wanted God to, they, they were very much a part of it, and they know that. And somebody knew your need. So they got a box of groceries, put it on your, on your doorstep, and then took off. So that when you came to the box, you ran out. And I, I mean, I, if somebody leaves something on my, I, I don't go outside. I go upstairs to the, to the bedroom because I look over the street, and I look out there. It takes too long to get outside. So I just run upstairs. I look out. Sometimes I find out. Sometimes I don't. Most of the time, it's the UPS guy, but I look. And I'm happy for those boxes too, you know. But when somebody blesses you because the Lord put you on their heart, and an, a box just shows up or whatever, or an envelope or whatever, I mean, you don't have a choice. You just thank God. Just God, you're so good. I feel so hopeless. I feel like I don't, I can't meet my own needs. It's even embarrassing. I don't even want to tell anyone. I should be able at this age to meet my own needs. I should be able to put food on my table. I should be able to keep a job. I should. And the enemy just likes to beat you up. And and that that's not a very thank you. You know, when you're struggling and that that's kind of the road you take. You're not. You're not really full of thanksgiving all that much. It even borders on self-pity at times. And the Lord knows that, and he loves and takes care of you. And you know, you, you get to the point where God just blesses you. Or maybe it's not even that. Maybe it's not even that. Maybe you have a need, same thing. But you come to Calvary, and you say, hey, I, I need some help. I need some food. We don't have any food. And within five minutes, a pastor takes you, and there's a box. And you walk out of the church, not only fed the word of God, but you walk out with a a box of food that was generously given through the congregation or who knows all. I mean, there's that, that, that whole thing is taken off so much. I don't it's all of us get to participate. You've ever brought a turkey in here or a thing, a, a cereal or whatever. It's going to feed some kid or it's going to feed some family. And you know what they're going to do? They're going to thank God. They're going to thank God for that. That's a blessedness of giving. That's, you know, that, that's, that's motivation to give, man. It's like, yeah. I want to give. I'm going to get a box of cereal for me. I'm going to get one for my family. I'm going to get two for the food bank. 
I'm going to get two for my family and one for the food bank. It doesn't matter. Your giving's under the Lord. And some kid's eating your Cheerios thanking God. It, it matters. It's amazing. Not only that, but thirdly, giving shows God's work in us. That's what verse 13 says. It's proof of the ministry. And people glorify God for your obedience because of the confession. When you and I made a confession to the gospel of Jesus, when we said, I turn away from my sinful past and I commit my life to Jesus, when we did that, it came with a lot of work that God was going to do through us. And one of them is he was going to make you a giver. And if you're not yet a giver, God's going to make you one. He dwells in you. He's going to lead you and guide you. He's going to develop. When I say make you, I don't mean against your will. I mean he's going to disciple you. He's going to develop that in you. He's going to mature you in your giving. He's going to bless you so that you can enjoy. That people see you. And, and, and then for some of us, you know, for, for me and myself, my, my personal life, I was not a giver. I was a taker before I got saved. You ever know any of them? I wasn't a giver. I was a taker. And so when God flipped my heart around, born again, that's what born again means. You've got new life, and I began a giver. God, people were just tripping out, man. You were a taker. You were a manipulator. You took it. But now you're a giver. I know. And I can say this. Not only is it more blessed to give than to receive, but it's also easier. It's much easier to give. It's much easier to be on the side of serving. It's much easier to be on the side of giving of yourself. It's much easier... I mean, when you're just in tune with the Spirit, giving is just, you thrive on it. It's just something that comes. And then when someone tries to give to you, man, you just like, oh, no, no, no. And you, you just got to learn to receive as well as give. And let the Lord do a thorough work in your life so you can get both sides. God shows God's work. The beauty of giving displays the faithfulness of God's work in and through us. Especially in those times where you're praying and God puts something on, somebody on your heart. You obey. They don't know anything about it. They don't recognize it, but they start to give not only God um, thanksgiving unto God, but they give God's glory because they realize that God has heard their prayers. <laughs> That's just an answer in and of itself. God hears my prayers. Man, you're so awesome, Lord. You're so gracious to me. You're so good because there's times I just don't think you hear my prayers. Why you're delaying your answer. And then the fourth thing of giving in verse 14 is that it does promote more prayer. That's what he says. Their prayer for you. They're longing for you. It develops relationship. It, it, it displays the exceeding grace of God. But all of that, it promotes more prayer. It moves people to pray. Thanksgiving is prayer. How can I be a giver is prayer. It's all, it's, everybody wins as we're walking in the spirit. But all of that pales in comparison to the last one in verse 15. Paul, almost, it's almost like he can't contain himself, where he says, thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. I know I've been spending a couple chapters. I know these, some of these things are hard. I know it's been difficult. I know that hearing about giving, I know it's almost like Paul, the Holy Spirit knew it. And he says, you know, all these things are great, but you want one motivation. Verse 15 is it. You want to be moved to give, just be thankful to God for his indescribable gift. That's the true motive to give is love appreciation for what God just like James says I quoted earlier every good and perfect gift is from above God gives us a lot of good and perfect gifts but there's only one indescribable gift there's a lot everything we have is from the Lord man it's just so awesome he's so good 
But there's only one undescribable gift, only one work of salvation in our life, only one Savior, only one love, only one faith and hope, only, you know, the, just the hope you hold on to. What an indescribable gift in Jesus. And that's the motive for giving, God's glorious gift to us. This becomes what moves us. It's so, it just makes, it just makes like, you know, the pressure and all the stuff that man uses, it makes it look so pitiful. It's just that man, you know, pastors, leaders would have to resort to some human method when if our eyes were just on the indescribable gift, man, it would just, oh, God, you're so good to me. What do I have that you haven't given me? I owe you my very life. I owe you my family. I owe you my purity. I owe you my brain. I owe you my hands. I owe you my college education. I owe you my master's. I owe you my doctorate. I owe everything. I owe you everything. And because of indescribable gifts, this love for what God has done for us, it makes sense, doesn't it? For God so loved the world that his act of love would draw a love from us. And one of those ways is through our faithful giving, just the heart of giving. We've been observing the benefits of giving today on Abounding Grace through a study in 2 Corinthians 9. Pastor Ed Taylor will be right back with more. Not long ago, we created a new website just for you, and you'll find it at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Let me highlight some of the features. Look for our quick links, and you'll discover you can now listen to our programs anytime you'd like. We also offer a free podcast, too. You can read Pastor Ed's blog there as well. We've also made it super easy to donate to the ministry, and there's a place to contact us, too. Speaking of which, we'd sure like to hear from you. Let us know what you think of the new website and if you're finding these daily studies helpful to your walk. We'd also very much appreciate your support as we present God's abounding grace here over the radio. Again, go to AboundingGraceRadio.com. We also offer an app that makes listening to Pastor Ed's teachings really easy to do. You can download the free app by searching for Calvary Aurora. Each month, Pastor Ed picks out a book that he believes can really help you grow in grace and be the person God wants you to be. Our pick of the month is The Third Option by Miles McPherson. I don't have to remind you that we're living in a racially divided nation. You may have heard it said, Sunday morning is the most segregated time in America today. Pastor Miles shares openly what has led to this great divide, both within the church and across the country. He believes instead of choosing one of two sides, there is a third option, one that is proven to bring people together and promotes genuine peace. That's the third option, and we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more. We ask that you call to place an order at 877-30-GRACE. That's toll-free, 877-30-GRACE. Now with some concluding thoughts on the subject of giving, here again is Pastor Ed. I don't know about you, I came to a conclusion a long time ago in my life, I, especially with those that are on the side of the road and asking for help. And over the years when the economy goes bad, it seems to increase. And It was many years ago that the Lord just, I, I just got tired of being skeptical. 
I got tired of trying to figure out them. I got tired of trying to explain. I got tired, well, you know, if I give to them, you know, maybe they'll go buy drugs with it. Or I just got tired of it. And I said, Lord, you just have to move my heart because they don't belong to me. And, and they're making me have not a giving heart. As if I can figure out their life at a red light. And I don't know where you're at with that. Maybe it's something else that God's shown you. But the Lord, many years, was just like, you know, it wasn't even any heavy conviction. I was just tired of it. Instead of being open and having money, money in my little thing right there in the car, not even thinking about opening it, even thinking about what I have, what do I have in my pocket? Do I have anything in the back? You know, do I have something that I could give them a blanket, a sandwich? Instead of even thinking how I can help them, it had become like, oh, you know, I'm God and I can figure out whether they need it or not. Like I even, and it just was a, it was a part of my heart that needed a change. Sure, maybe this is happening with them, and maybe with that was happening, but the last time I saw, they're humans that need Jesus in their life, and I know Jesus, and here I am judging them. For what? Who am I? How many decisions am I away from being in that same corner? May the Lord speak to us about his indescribable gift, because when he does, or if he has, it's going to revolutionize how you see people, how you appreciate giving and receiving how you value the church family that you're a part of. In case you haven't noticed, we are in a spiritual battle every day. But what is the way to victory? We'll talk about that tomorrow on Abounding Grace as Pastor Ed Taylor visits 2 Corinthians chapter 10. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church Colorado here in Aurora.